Hello, universe. I can't let this episode exist without an introduction that corrects two egregious mistakes I make that should have been corrected in real time. So I apologize for having to do this, but I don't like to go back and edit or re-record things if my mistakes are part of the process. That's all I'm going to say. I, I know this is somewhat disappointing, uh, and, and rightly so, but I am trying to work to be better here. I'm also trying to expose that making mistakes isn't a be-all, end-all to a project's uh, worth. That said, you need to know that Einstein is the godfather of the theory of general relativity. That is a theory that believes that matter gives rise to mind. The physical processes of the universe create uh, structural uh, uh, capability to create mindful thinking entities. Heisenberg, Bohr, and Schrodinger, and numerous other people, are on the side that the mind gives rise to matter. In other words, we experience the world because we have a mind in which to engage the world. The world doesn't exist if we're not here to observe it. That is a rather simple but fairly uh, accurate division of the teams. When you hear me speak of non-locality, you will hear me not speak of the fact that it works regardless of distance. Non-locality means location not dependent. The width of the entire universe doesn't keep entangled particles from simultaneously acting. That is the nail in the coffin that Einstein never figured out. Good afternoon, universe. It is 12.49 on the 11th of January. Is today the 11th? 12th, 13th? Yeah, 11th of January, Friday the 11th. And um, today is... Uh, I still don't have my new setup, so if this is uh, not very listenable, I apologize ahead of time. That should be the very last time I make you endure the Princess Leia's as my primary source of audio recording equipment. Um, but here we are in episode 69, giggity giggity and all that. But I had in initially intended to use this episode as a look back on all of the mistakes I've made in the previous 68 episodes. Oops, there's my alarm to make sure I get up and go to work. <laughs> Always nice to set that alarm for 12.50. But um, going back to... Uh, uh, have I lost my point already? That's terrible. Well, um, I, the reason I'm here is to talk of You all right, Phoebe? Phoebe's coughing up. I don't know what. Um, the reason I'm here is to talk about... Oh, 69. I was going to do... <laughs> all right. As a, as, a, um, as a pubescent boy joke, I suppose. I was going to use 69 as the review episode of all the previous 68 episodes' mistakes. Because I have started looking up publishing uh, methods for these type recordings and I do plan on putting this in some sort of podcast format uh, downloadable system at least for people I know to be able to go listen to it 
And uh, in doing so, I wanted to make sure if it is going to be publicly available that I address all the mistakes I already know I made before people start pointing them out because I know you're out there, all you mistake pointer outer people. I know that's what you like to do. You like to go find errors and omissions and make sure that the people who made them are aware of their, their, uh, their faulty, um, uh, faulty, faultiness of their, um, their lack of precision in your eyes. Uh, and I've actually made some intentional errors and omissions in some of these recordings. So you're going to have to just live with those, you mofos. And I don't mean to call you mofos. I do love you. And I do love being corrected when I made a mistake I didn't realize. But if you go looking for my five hands on my five hands, you're not going to be entertained enough to know that I already know that one because I did it intentionally. But for the rest of them that I didn't, I would like to clean that up with a sort of come clean sheet. And I'd like to do that before I publish everything. And so I got to do that in the next week or so because I am going to start throwing, throwing up. I am going to start. <laughs> uploading uh, audio recordings as dedicated podcasts shortly enough. So to do so, I would like to um, have uh, one I can point to that says, hey, I already said that, and that's why I wanted to use episode 69, because I could say, just go back to episode 69. Ha ha ha, giggity. Whenever somebody was complaining about something that they thought they had found that I had fucked up. Yeah, go 69 it, baby. But for other reasons, today's episode 69 is appropriate because we are going to discuss the double slit experiment and giggity, the realization therein of how much it confirms that we're living in a simulation. And this is uh, a little sciencey for sure, and a little mystical simultaneously. This is absolutely the biggest trigger-tripping uh, material I, I can get into. I love me some quantum theory. Um, and I love me some quantum theory because it gives us uh, a mystical approach to everything. And, um, okay, so what, what, what do I mean by quantum theory just generally? Our quantum theory is it, essentially matter has been proven to be quantized. It is made uh, of, of elemental units. Time has a base unit, even space has a base unit. Energy and matter all have base units. They're all quantized. There is a structure, a finite structure to the universe. In other words, there is, there is a finite data set. It is calculable. Now, maybe in the most inconceivable, monumental, what the fuck are you talking about calculable way? But yes, we have come to the realization that what we see is a virtual construct. We are seeing um, pixelated data in our reality of the universe that we experience. This has been proven. These aren't uh, argumented, <laughs> these aren't argumentable facts. You can go look at the science that comes down to the finite base unit of time. There is the smallest unit of time that our reality can, uh, can, uh, it can, can mathematically uh, accept. I don't know how else to put it. But when you are trying to uh, describe the relationship of space, matter, and time, there is a base matter of time, space, and energy that exists. And that data calculates correctly across the entire extrapolation 
to the sense of space, time, matter, and energy as we experience it. So that's what I say when I say it has been, this, that there is hard science behind this. And in further hard science behind all this, what that means essentially is that the universe is computable. So when I'm talking about two dudes in the metaverse with their water cooling towers of super silicon chips, I'm not joking. That could literally be what we're experiencing. Uh, there's a, a scientist, there's a discussion in one, I think it's a TED talk or a, one of those forum talks where um, DeGrasse Tyson's the, the um, scientist leading the discussion and James Gates is, is, uh, is calling out his, his, his uh, pursuit of, of code inside of supersymmetry and how when they came to the quantized bits of matter in the virtual symmetry, supersymmetry mathematics of our universe, it was the same code correlations that Claude Shannon had invented in the 40s. And first of all, everything I'm doing here is summarizing a, a, a documentary called the Simulation Hypothesis Documentary. I highly recommend, if you haven't seen it, that you go find it and you own it. it I even think it opens with something called God Science. Don't let that turn you off, scientists. Fast forward past it and start listening. Niels Bohr, Heisenberg, Einstein are 90% of the presentation. So there's nothing there about God, I promise. But so, and, and to, to speed this along here, so, uh, and, and so here are the ways that, that uh, a, a simulated universe starts to, to be supported. Number one, warping of space-time could easily be described as processor overload, as could the Big Bang the boot up of the program we are in a pixelated universe that I was just proving to you with the quantized matter so that means that everything fundamentally is built on identical parts that's what that whole hydron or hydron collider is trying to find and when they found the uh, uh, god I'm not going to name it now that I'm trying to be all sciencey um, the boson the Higgs boson particle that is uh, what, what that is, is by crushing the smallest particles of matter and seeing what bounces out of there, can they find the absolute building block of matter. And that's what the Higgs boson particle discovery is celebrating. Now, is that correct? I'm not sure. Um, there's evidence of programming. It's this Claude Shannon programming was discovered in the supersymmetry mathematics. And then we, are, we do have boundaries, like any program would. There are limits. You can't run past the outer boundary of Grand Theft Auto 4. You eventually just start running in place. You cannot go past the speed of light. There are maximums in our universe. All of those argue for a simulated universe, not a universe that is based on, um, on, boy, I took better notes than this, so why am I not using them? A universe based on, enjoying this yet? Are you enjoying this yet? Enjoy some, and based on materialism. If you want to go all the way back to what philosophy has to say about this, and believe me, philosophy was science in Greek times, back in the let's wear togas and go. Uh, I won't go dirty joke on you there, but I almost did. Um, Democritus, Plato. Plato says idealism, that the universe is mental ideas that then create and form the sphere that is reality. Materialism is that 
matter gives rise to mindfulness. Um, but why Plato even has an argument here, because obviously people look around, see matter in the universe, we're made of matter. Well, matter gives rise to, to mental uh, activity. We, the, somewhere consciousness must be measurable. It's physical. There are processes that we can determine as we watch electrical synapses in our brain, as we can light up the little monkey brain part and have him move his left arm, that starts to look like how the body works. But what if that's only how the body works, not how the mind works? Because in Plato's idea, mental ideas are the fundamental form of, or are the true fundamental block of reality. A sphere is a perfect concept. You can't, there is no perfect sphere. You can only imagine it. But it is a, it is a concept that is not just imaginable. You, you can, its perfect existence is there. So, so the, the, the mind is what's behind what we experience as physical matter. Everything begins with consciousness. So, again, the, that's the fundamental argument. And they are mutually exclusive. There is no one can work with the other. They are, it's one or the other. And how this arose in 20th century physics is a man named Niels Bohr and a man named Albert Einstein essentially took sides in what is called quantum uh, mechanics versus, uh, versus, well, let's call Bohr's side non-locality and Einstein's quantum entanglement. And that's how this film breaks us down. I'm not trying to take credit for having any sort of uh, sense of, of these ideas. I am delivering to you a summation of, again, a movie called The Simulation Hypothesis Di Documentary which if you don't have it, you should own it. And at the very least, you should have watched it 44 times. Or, let's see, yeah, 44, that's a good number. Um, all right, so in Einstein's universe, the photon is, is an element of matter. It is, so, so there, there has to be a fundamental unified theory for everything. And that's when I said Einstein never actually solved that problem, which he didn't. Um, that would eliminate the need for quantum theory. The problem with quantum theory is that the, the math works. It all works. And that sucks for physics because when the math works, then that means it, it's like saying scoreboard on the fucking basketball court. Yeah, I guess that's right. And so Bohr's student, um, Heisenberg, who you may have heard of, <laughs> uh, Heisenberg, he started the math with matrix mechanics and then Schrodinger improved it with wave mechanics, which is basically the, the fundamental building block of quantum mechanics. And in quantum mechanics, there is a, a fundamental necessity for entanglement or, or measurement interaction with a particle to instantaneously affect an entangled particle. This is what's called non-locality and the freaking math works. And so physics you know, has a big old WTF moment. And how do you prove this? Is there a way to prove non-locality exists? Well, yes, it actually turns out there is. And that it, and non-locality is a fundamental property of nature. And what this means is that the simulation hypothesis really is the only one for which this works. Space is an illusion. It's a construct. And really, so is matter. And so when I keep telling you that all you can do is embrace this moment with your thoughts 
and make this moment yours. It's because that's really what's real. It's the only thing that's real. You're being tested. The spooky action at a distance, as Einstein called it, is your mind working. Now, how, how, how can this have been proven? Well, the double slit experiment is, if you're not familiar with it, shooting electrons through, electrons are particles. If you shoot particles through a single slit on the other side of the wall, you will get a pattern of disbursement that is heavier where the slit is is direct and and it fades from there because as particles move through a slit they will clump is the term if you do the same with waves what happens is they will disperse because the waves will interact with each other they will both amplify and uh and what do waves do when they when they uh when they cancel each other out whatever anyway a wave pattern is disbursement it is not a clump and so the double slit experiment is famous for showing that um, when, you th when you put electrons through two slits, they actually create an interference pattern like a wave. Wait, what the fuck? Because when you send them through one slit, they clump. Hold on. Wait, what? Yes, this is true. This was performed, I think, in 1960. Or the early 60s. Okay. So the next guy comes along and says, what if we were to detect what's happening at the slit so that we can see what they're doing? That way we'll know. Because ideas were like, well, are the electrons bouncing into each other and creating this sort of pattern? Do we, do we not know how electrons move through space? You know, there was all kinds of questions as to what's happening. So somebody said, well, can we just see what the electrons are doing at the slits? Sure, let's set that up. So they detected the electrons' actual... Um, passing through the slits by sending them through, I believe, one at a time, or they sent them through in, in two detectors and detected which way they were going through. I don't know what it was, but there was a level of observation that they knew which, which, how the electrons had moved through the slits, and guess what? The two slits now created a clump pattern. What the, what the, what the, what the, what the fuck? So, uh, <laughs> you're saying when we can detect what they do at the slits, they clump, but when we don't know what they did at the slits, they show wave pattern. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Okay, what if we were to delay our observation? In other words, let's not look at the detector. Let's look somewhere between the detector and the actual, uh, um, between the slits and the actual detector. Let's, and let's, this was called the delayed choice test. Let's not look sometimes but look other times so in other words the electrons won't know if we're looking or not we'll uh, we'll randomly look and know whether or not they came through which way well i don't have to spoil the lead here because you know what happened yeah when we look they clump when we don't they wave not only do they clump but they go back through the detector in time and sort themselves out as having been sent through the detector one at a time what? <laughs> yeah, they do this. Okay. So then, can we prove non-locality? Yes, we can. Because we can use photons that we can, we can entangle through crystal... We can use crystals to entangle photons. 
we can then send them through one of two slits. We can use a series of four different detectors to then divide those entangled photons into pairs that one hits a direct detector and the other bounces into four different possibilities. And only two of those possibilities are even trackable. The other two, are it's unknown which detector that, that photon came through. But we will know photons that hit detector 4 came through slit 2, photons that hit detector 3 came through slit 1. Photons that hit detectors 1 and 2, we don't know. And the photons that are paired with them will always hit detector 0 and they will always hit first. Because detector 0 is the shortest path. So what do you think happens when we, when we measure these, these photons? <laughs> the ones that hit detectors 1 and 2 constantly show wave patterns. The ones that hit detectors 3 and 4 show the appropriate clump patterns to the appropriate slit. And detector 0's results always match the outcomes of detectors 1, 2, 3, and 4. And detector 0 always goes first. Now, does that mean that time exists in a constant interaction of everything happening at once? How can the shortest path know the outcome of the particle that is undetermined? But it does. So, giggity. That, my friends, says time is relative, quite literally. And the only thing here that's real are your thoughts. Think about that. Everything you think has the most powerful energy behind it that the universe even knows how to measure. Everything that's in existence is here because you're here to observe it. How much more powerful of a circumstance could you be in than that? My dog apparently can sleep through all this excitement. But this, this proves that what matters is what we do. What we think and do is the only reality of the universe that's, that's real. It's us. We're it. The universe was created for us. It's being created for us in every single instance we're here. So if you don't think that makes it matters how we act. What else could? The stage is being literally set for us to interact with it. We are the most phenomenal things in existence that science, religion, mysticism, or myth can measure. Now hop on this Ferris wheel with me and ride to the top. Let's all go to the stars quite literally.